Um, so a little background on Barmore and the pick, because, you know, God forbid there's a segment of Patriots fans out there who are just like, oh, you know, all uh, up in arms at me for what I have reported. And I will not apologize ever for reporting the truth. So, Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. I had no clue. This is Entitled Town. Welcome to the latest episode of Entitled Town. My name is Mike Irons. I would also like to thank the Dancing for Felger podcast by Greg Bedard, sponsored by Cuban Rounds. Cuban Rounds, when you can't find a Swisher Sweet. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, Patriots 22, Washington football team 13 in the preseason opener on Thursday night. I know I was excited, Patrick, to have football back. Scartelli is here. John is here. Shaq is here. Dan is here. Scartelli, um, thoughts about the first game of the year, first preseason game of the year? It was very nice to see preseason football again. You didn't realize how much you missed it until it got taken away for a year. Amen. With people in the stands. And we've got uh, full participation in the podcast here today. So I got that working out for us, which is nice as well. And uh, there was, like you say, people in the stands and um, actual, actual game footage to watch uh, ahead of this head of the regular season, which gives all sorts of uh, all sorts of, you know, interesting clues and tidbits as to what's going to be going on during this season and things that can be read into and read too much into and things that, we should have seen but missed but i'm uh i'm going to have to say that uh all in all the uh the first game was solid and also there were some uh statistics i think that uh were you know chaotic that's what i've got to say about that <laughs> and i will uh if we're going to talk about what uh, what went well and uh, what didn't go well i'm going to cede my time to my esteemed colleagues but i'm you know reserving the right of rebuttal so let's uh, throw it around the room, as it were. Shaq, uh, the game, what'd you think? I just loved watching football again. I, I, you, never, you don't know what you got till it's gone, said Joni Mitchell. And this is exactly what I felt like watching Patriots football again. And there are so many things that I took away from the game. And a lot of that being that, wow, well, first of all, uh, Matthew Judon, just to shout him out, he looks like he's going to be a problem, and I'm really excited to see him yes. uh, get get things going. Uh, Jonu Smith, uh, he's going to be a monster. Uh, unfortunately, he got hurt a little bit to this as we were taping this podcast, yep. but uh, it shouldn't be too bad. It's a uh, low ankle sprain, so maybe a couple of weeks here and there, depending on how the severity of that is. But he seems like he's going to be great, and uh, – and also, uh, Quinn Norton, uh, hail Quinn, because uh, Greg was, Zerline was, may have to cede his title of <laughs> Robo Leg after that, right? Yeah, I was talking to somebody, and I was like, "Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be so nice?" And first of all, I hope they pick him up because you know, given the old Foxborough flu, because I, it would it would just be so nice to have a guy that you don't have to worry that you can go to the bathroom and not have to worry about him missing any type of kick, whether it be an extra point, even though he did miss that extra point, he <laughs> made something, he made a 50 yard, which he could have been good from 70 and dude's just, I got a strong leg and I'm really excited to see him. And the last thing I'll say that I'm really excited about is Ramondre freaking Stevenson. And yes, yes. I, I've been, I've been excited about him since they drafted him and to see him in action, um, and for a good reason, uh, that 91-yard touchdown was the re result of that stupid Ron Rivera uh, thing that he wouldn't let go of, and he would not even take a timeout. So, well, there you go. And uh, we'll, I guess we'll talk about the uh, uh, Wilkerson cats that would have been maybe if in a few moments. But right. because of because of that, I think that you know things were a little things were a little iffy. But the Stevenson, I'm really excited about. Um, it makes this running back core, core room, corpse, place, corpse. Uh, I think the deepest and best group in the NFL with Damian Harris, JJ Taylor, who also looks good. 
uh, James White, of course, and Sony Michelle. I think that th that entire running back group needs to be kept. And I hope that it is because it's, you never know who they're going to put out there. And I think that's, that's what makes it exciting. So a lot, as you can tell, I'm excited just talking about this game, even though it, you know, the score wouldn't indicate it, but there's a lot to look forward to. The excitement jumps off the speaker caller. You say Ramondre Stevenson, Shaq. I say Natron means. I'm going to overreact. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to put my chips in the middle of the table. And let's see if Nick Folk is willing to do a little Al Zervik. And, oh, my leg. I think it's broken with the Foxborough flu. John, uh, your impressions of the first preseason game? Yeah, a lot of similarities with what Shaq said. Obviously, the speed of math. You two do share a brain, so I'm, yeah. I'm really unsurprised <laughs> by that. Well, the, this, it was the speed of Matthew Judon uh, early jumped in the off, game. Jumped like, off the screen. It, it did just jump off the screen. And Same thing single, with Smith. Well, and wearing that single-digit number, too. I mean, it's like the dude is – like that's going to be a really popular jersey, I think, among Pats fans, that single-digit Judon jersey. Um, it, he, he just looks like – I mean, it, it is, again, it, it's really hard not to get super excited about that dude. And you just hope to heck he's healthy and we get, you know, 17 games out of the guy. Um, he's going to be playoffs. fun to watch. Come on. Plus playoffs. Exactly. Um, you know, the, the, you know, Mac Jones comes in, uh, I thought the energy, the, the pace they played, um, you know, looking at the, some of the advanced stats, the average depth of target on Jones's throws versus Newton's throws, I thought was kind of, there's something interesting there. Um, potentially it's again, you don't want to overreact on, you know, Cam Newton's playing two series is the first series got kind of, you know, messed up with, uh, Washington's defensive front did a really good job in that first series, uh, pressuring him on second down and hitting him on third down, uh, what looked like it was a fumble initially. So it's hard to, it's hard to really know with Cam, but it was short stuff with Cam, very short stuff, line of scrimmage stuff, uh, got, you know, Joni Smith had a, a long run after the catch on that very shallow crossing route. He looks phenomenal. Um, uh, the, you know, then Jones comes in and he's throwing the ball a little bit more down the field. There's more of a kind of a traditional Brady-esque looking passing game there. I'm convinced, like if I were to bet on something right now, I, I would bet on Cam starting week one. I would bet on Cam starting week two. I, I think agree. they're going to try to, I, I think they're going to try to bludgeon, uh, the Jets and the Dolphins, the Dolphins in week one in Foxborough, the Jets up in New York in week two. You know, you think back to the beginning of last season, they were a physical power running football team. And, and I think there's maybe something to the new style of practice, the shorter preseason, um, the, the lack of hitting, the lack of wearing pads, yep. the lack of tackling. Uh, I thought the, the Patriots and Belichick did a really good job early in the season, taking advantage of that and building an offense that was designed around physicality and fitness and wearing you down over 60 minutes. I, I expect to see that early in the season. But watching Mac Jones operate the offense, I think it's going to come to a point where they need more out of the passing game uh, than what Cam's going to give them. And you know, they need to be able to get the ball down the field. And whether Cam can do that or not, you know, I mean, we'll we'll see. He didn't do it last night, or excuse me, uh, Thursday night. But he'll um, you know he'll have an opportunity to show he can do it later on in the exhibition season. Don't discount the warmer weather early in the season as being a factor with the physicality and the like. Physicality's word, but the physicalness of the offense. Um, Warm weather. I, I don't couldn't believe that Judon was out there in long sleeves. I was they, they, just they, looking at him. I was like, what's he just built different, Scartelli? Yeah, that's right. He's from uh, he's from Louisiana, I think, is where he was born. So that's that explains that. Yeah, he's scoffing at the heat down there, and oh uh, yeah, in uh, Foxborough. Uh, Dan, uh, what what jumped off the page to you? But uh, on uh, Thursday night with the Washington football team, I almost said it: Washington football team game at uh, Gillette. Well, first, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't note uh, Shaq's Joni Mitchell reference. Uh, they paved Amen. paradise and put in a billion-dollar football stadium. <laughs> well done. Um, with with preseason games, you know, it's it's easy to look at those and think they don't mean anything. So you, you, I try to approach it by how I think the coaches watch the game. So in in that vein, two things stood out to me. One was uh, Belichick not challenging that incompletion on Myers. Yes. Shoe top catch. And then that he started the second half with Jones in the two minute offense. So it tells me two things. Belichick is more interested in situation football than the overall game. Right. Uh, rather than bailing Jones out by with a challenge flag, he wanted to see how he did in third and five and, and Jones completed it. And then he used a timeout just before halftime, hoping to get Jones some two minute experience yep. that that didn't work out. 
So he started the second half in the two minute offense, manufacturing the same scenario. It was, I, I, it was really well done. I agree. I, I love seeing I agree. them think like that, you know, start thinking in those situational football terms. I couldn't even think outside the box. I was doing the same thing. I was like, I was like, please get the stop here. I want to see Jones come out and lead a two minute offense here. Um, one thing really quickly, I don't want to litigate the quarterback thing because Lord knows we've wasted enough time on that. And there's been enough virtual ink spilled to drown half of North America on the, the Patriots quarterback battle. Um, there was one play that was a totally busted screen uh, when Mac was in the game in the second half. I mean, it was absolute, it was a disaster. And he had the, instead of taking the sack, he calmly just threw it. The running back fell down. He just threw it at the running back's feet. And for a rookie to do that, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's happenstance. But watching him play at Alabama and watching him play the other night, just extreme competency. There's, there's, no, there's nothing rushed. There's nothing. Balls weren't thrown up for grabs. So um, a good first appearance by Mac Jones. And you know, we're looking forward. I'm sure all of us, I can speak for all of us, we're looking forward to Thursday night. Uh, for the next game. So let's go on to the next topic. And I don't want to spend too, too much time on this topic. Shaq and I did a, a quote unquote emergency podcast on this a couple of months ago, maybe two months ago at this point, Shaq. Greg Bedard has a hair across his ass, a Christian Barmore. And he's just spreading, you know, again, if you want to go back early May, Shaq and I, I'll, I'll put the podcast that Shaq and I did uh, back in the uh, Entitled Town Twitter feed. But Greg Bedard has a hair across his ass about Christian Barmore. And on his podcast on August 11th, he goes back into the well, making insinuations about Barmore's past. He's tr now tripling down on them. This is the, from his most recent Greg Bedard Patriots podcast on August 11th with the unfortunate Nick Cattle's uh, memorial death of, uh, of death, John. So here we go. Uh you know, that being said, he's only gone against a starter once so far in camp. That was a Wenu, who's just a second-year guy, good second-year guy. I think Barmore beat him, and he's looked really good. He's even gotten some time in base defense with the starters, which is very unusual for a rookie. Uh, that being said, he keeps going in and out of practices. And yeah. uh, I'm sure it's no fault of his own but I'm just telling you how coaches sort of look at it and just be like, you know, if Jim, if Jim Whalen, the trainer is in Belichick's ear every other 10 minutes at practice being like, yeah, Barmore's got to sit out. He's got this like Belichick's going to be like, ah, you know, he's just, he's going to be like, you know, forget that kid. We're moving on to some, forget that kid. We're moving on. Bedard continues. Somebody else. So it's important that he stays on the practice field. I don't know what went on at Alabama. I'm not saying that, you know, anything's going on, but he, he doesn't know what's going on at Alabama. Now we're, we were able to see the video on the zoom call that we're doing and you can see him fumbling in his head. It's like, what can I say? Or what can I not say? That wasn't the case a couple of months ago on his appearance on 98, five, the sports plan. So remember, he just said he doesn't know what's going on or went, went on with Barmore at Alabama. That wasn't the case a couple of months ago on 98.5 The Sports Clan. Is it, I know, and I guess I guess you don't want to get too much into it, but it, can you allude to it? Is it like, a, well, he can't really learn, so we'll just pass him anyway because he's so talented, like a Dexter Manley type of situation? Or is it like violence? What, what, what? Oh, no, no, it's not violence or anything like that. I mean, I'm trying to be sensitive because, I mean, the direct quote that I heard from one of the teams about it it would generate headlines and it would basically bury the kid. And I don't think that's fair to him. I'll just say that teams, I think the way I termed it, the teams question his intelligence a bit in terms of how he keeps things together off the field. So, so the dumb black guy, he continues to go on. Greg, please. And, and whether that's going to affect him. And look, he threw a social media tantrum last year uh after during fall camp without don't worry he'll get to it after the world series greg alabama removed all the stuff basically said he was done there then all of a sudden he changes his tune it, it wasn't about the social media tantrum it's about what caused the social media tantrum alabama reacted to something what was that and is that going to be an issue with the pros with all these kids you one of the one of the evaluations you make is 
what is this kid going to do now that he's a pro and he has all this free time? If he wasn't motivated in college, how's he going to be motivated in the pros? And I think a lot of teams question whether Barmore is going to be able to make that transition, but who, who knows? Maybe the Patriots have a great plan for him. Maybe Dante Hightower kicks him, you know, in the rear end. Who knows? Uh, who knows, right, Greg? So not as he, he's singling down, he's doubling down. He quadruples, uh, excuse me, he's tripling down now on his own podcast with uh, the unfortunate, again, Nick Cattles. This is from that same week. He goes even a little bit further about Barmore's troubles. What's, what's the deal with Barmore? Why'd you pass on him? Why didn't you pick him? And I was told pretty quickly there are big time issues with Barmore that one team took him off their boards. They just said he is not for us. Also, Mike Loiko, not on their board. And another team said they had a late second round grade on him. And look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give anybody specifics because I Because you have none. I have sources to protect, and if I gave you the specifics that I have, it would burn a source. And I'm not gonna do that. And I also don't think it's fair to the kid if I put out what I know, or at least what I was told by it. Yeah, you've been totally fair to this point, Greg. Well done. Team, exactly why they took him off the board. It would be on headlines all over the country, and it would and it would unfairly tarnish the kid before he even got a chance. Well, thanks for giving him a chance, Greg. Shaq, you and I went over this, uh, but I want to let you jump in first. Uh, that's over the course of about three months he's not singling down he's not doubling down he's tripling down with no end in sight take the floor Shaq I said this I remember saying this on our initial podcast I said a middle-aged white man who nonchalantly suggests that a young black man that he knows nothing about is uncivilized and inferior intellectually and he does this out of thin air with no evidence I mean how reckless can you be how p- and passively racist can you be? And at its absolute best, he's just uh, a turd of the highest order. And of course, now it it makes sense for him to kind of piggy, kind of backpedal on his words a little bit because it seems as Barmore for everything he's looked in camp, you know, for the practices that he's been in, he's looked like he's going to make a difference whenever he gets in there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in maybe a preseason game next uh, on this Thursday. But I just think it's pretty funny that he has to backpedal with everything he does because, you know, he, he has, he has no soul. He has no uh, penance to himself. He just has to, again, like you said at the beginning, he has to play to his audience, play to his 985, the sports clan audience that he has to uh, continue to feed. Um, and he uses the example of, Warren Sapp and, you know, yeah, that's a guy that you really want to bank on having a, a lot of character, Warren Sapp. Yeah, look, look him up on Google. But it's really obnoxious, and I, I, I can't wait for Barmore to actually prove him wrong because when he does, I can't wait to see the backpedal because it's going to be epic. He's already started backpedaling a bit with his Barmore takes. He's been all over the, the map with his Barmore takes saying, I thought he was a first-rounder, and I can't believe they drafted him. Teams had a late second round grade and teams pulled them off the draft board. Scartelli, um, listen, I, I fully acknowledge that I cannot deal with anything that Bedard does rationally. And you're one of the rational ones in this podcast. You and Dan are a bit more Spock-like than someone like me is, for instance. So uh, offer a more reasoned take than I am. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to do good on this. And then we'll go to Dan. There's nothing reasonable about that. That is nothing but sleazy innuendo taken straight out of Ron Borges's oily playbook. <laughs> Ron Borges's oily playbook would be a good band name. Uh, I want to go to Dan. Dan, uh, again, I, I can't discuss it rationally, and I'm so angry I'm actually calm at this point on it. So uh, offer your Spock-like take on this. Oh, there's nothing reasonable I can offer. Um, one of the questions that Bedard posits there is, um, what would what will Barmore do with his free time? Apparently, um, Bedard uses his free time to buy more dog whistles. No kidding, dear God, that's uh, well well said, Dan. John, call him jo- kid again. That's always a good thing to do. Yeah. Or the player, he's the player, Scarcy. I'll just call Bedard moving forward the media. 
you know, capital T, <laughs> capital M. John, uh, John is so just, I wish I could be more like my brother here and just be more dismissive and be like, kind of just laugh at him, mock it and move on. But um, I, I swear to God, John, we have different biological parents. Jesus. <laughs> well, this, this one, this one bothered me probably more than you might think, because I guess I'm thinking about it. He's, you know, he's a young man. He comes to New England. I guess I'm, I'm thinking about it in some other contexts as well. Like I think all of us try to think about it through our own lenses. The, you know, he's starting his career in a new environment. Uh, he deserves a fresh start. 21 year old ish kid. Right. And, and, you know, who, like all of us have started at new places. Like nobody wants to come in with this sort of kind of innuendo. I love the way Scarcy put it, you know, <laughs> Ron Borges is, you know, oily playbook. I mean, it's, it's slimy and sleazy and he, he doesn't deserve that. And then of course, well, it, it's one thing if it was limited to Greg's podcast that I think, you know, the five of us are, are the, you know, make up 80% of the, the viewership, but the, <laughs> the fact that he goes on, you know, the, the sports clan and he's, you know, he's dancing for those guys on the sports clan, you know, giving them this sort of salacious bullshit. And then other fans, you know, other, other Patriots fans are hearing this and then they associate it with Barmore. I mean, it's just, it's not fair to the, to the, to, to Christian Barmore. It's not fair to him to do this. And, you know, who, who doesn't, you know, lots of guys in the NFL made mistakes in college. Right. I mean, how, how many guys in Cleveland are talking about Baker Mayfield's arrest, right? Lots of people you and I work with made mistakes in college for that. Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, you know, Baker Mayfield, there's video of him getting arrested, you know, when he was in college. Right. I mean, who's Albert Breer stuff up? Yeah. (laughs) Albert Breer. Right. I mean, everybody's seen Albert Breer's mugshot. Right. I mean, you know, that to me, it's, it's really, uh, and I, I guess I would question if I should even put it like this. It's a, such a low form of journalism. I don't even think it's journalism, right? It's it's really that sort of it's character at, assassination. Well, and, and it's that look at me stuff that you have to do when you tap dance on radio shows like you know, like the Sports Grant, right? I mean, you you that's how you get into those sorts of shows. And what's problematic is a lot of other people in sports media, young people in sports media, trying to make their way. They see that and then they emulate it. And it just kind of perpetuates this nasty cycle of, of Borges-esque journalism. Like we want to break away from that. We don't want more of it. And Greg's just given us more of it here. To quote Virgil Salat, to quote Virgil Salat, I should say paraphrase Virgil Salat from The Godfather, Ron Borges did not have an olive oil voice, nor did he have Guinea charm. That's the, I'll leave it there with Ron Borges. Uh, that kind of, John, that really leads well into the next topic that we have on our list here uh, regarding preseason football. Excuse me. Uh, it is preseason, not exhibition football, if I'm going to follow uh, Roger Goodell's edict. We got the radio meatheads, specifically the second and third uh, teamers at 98.5, referring to NFL players who are playing in week one and week two. Matt McCarthy in particular, the uh, dentally challenged one at 98.5, the sports clan, saying that he said in the past that the players who are playing in week one and week two of the preseason, Dan, he's saying that these guys are going to be pumping his gas in a couple of weeks. So Dan, Dan's going to pass on this one. Scartelli, uh, I, Adam Jones, the, the, all of these, these, the Felger Youth Brigade, I mean, the, it's laughable, these guys think. Matt McCarthy, it's laughable to think that Matt McCarthy can afford gas on his part-timer's salary let alone have this guy pump it. But well, at least he it, wasn't saying that the guy would be bagging his groceries because we know that he uh, shops at Dollar Tree for groceries. That's, that's, that's true. It's bring your own bag. You got to bag your own groceries there, McCarthy. Is this, is this worth But it's discussing? ridiculous that these people are talking as if uh, as these are you know, professional athletes, professional level athletes. You know, if you get a lot of times you get cut this early in the, uh, in the preseason, it's because Bill Belichick thinks you have some talent. Gonna try maybe stash you on the practice squad if you uh, clear waivers, or to see if you can, you know, get on with another team. Get a there job. Are going somewhere to be else. cuts Absolutely. of actual, you know, professional quality players coming up. There's, there's what ninety right now. It's got to get down to fifty three. That's, uh, that's some. Those are some tough equations. Shaq, I think it's the thing that I take from this. I think it's ridiculous that anyone thinks that someone would be bagging Dan Lifshatz's groceries. We all know that he buys in bulk. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, buy, he, he buys uh, at Costco. So he has to carry them out with a forklift. Um, it's, I, I find it really interesting. And, and the, uh, the culprit that we're referring to as far as the bagging groceries thing was a Mason Souza, somebody, something called a Mason Souza. I don't know what that he is. He has the most listened to podcast in Bristol yeah. County. Yeah. And just Taunton. edging us out. Right. Uh, he, he has the produce aisle in the market basket covered. So Taunton, you got, you're good on that, but he's, it's, it's unbelievable. The, the, the assurance that these people have, I mean, I wish that I had the type of confidence that they had to talk about NFL players who they will never get to their level. They will never be able to have the athleticism to even get to that point is, is, is just, is, is, it should be commended. And yes, they're getting cut because like, like was already pointed out, Belichick's trying to see whether you can make a practice squad or anything like that, but, or you can make another team, but to say that to, to just downgrade them and say, oh, they're Walmart customer, they're Walmart uh, greeters. It's 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 pretty funny when you're pressing a button. That means you're higher than you're higher in the hierarchy than somebody else. It's, Amen. I would argue that the the people who were in the first round of cuts are more accomplished professionally than these Z teamers at 98.5 The Sports Clan are. John, I have one question for you. Price check aisle eleven. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the, the tone deafness of, of knocking people that work in a supermarket 18 months into a pandemic, uh, I'm sure that wasn't lost on any of us either. I mean, the idea that bagging groceries is is somehow less honorable than than screening calls at a radio station. I mean, come on, right? Like, the, I, I like the, the, the way Shaq put it, too. It's like, these guys are at the top of the pyramid, right? I mean, I, to, to get to the point where you could compete for a spot on the New England Patriots or even the Jets, right? To get to that point, right? Where you could compete right. for a spot on an NFL team is the, the amount of devotion to your craft and to fitness and nutrition and personal self-discipline sacrifice. and sacrifice. <laughs> exactly. You know, the, the sacrifice you have to make, like how could, and I, I feel this way about baseball too, because baseball being the sport that I'm closest to as a, as a parent, um, you know, watching the way these kids at the high school level going into, you know, competing for spots at a very good high school, like varsity level to, with a hope of, with a hope of playing college. Right. And the amount of work these guys have to do to make it to that. I mean, now you're at this point where you're competing for a spot in the NFL and you don't make it because you're cut in August. I mean, you are at the top of the pyramid. You are a phenomenal athlete. You have done and accomplished so much. And these guys who, like you said, they're, they're, part-time in, you know, screening calls on the weekends on the radio, and they're the arbiters on, like, it's not, that stuff's not funny. Like, it, I, I, they think they're being right. I agree. edgy or funny. It's, it's so, like, it's just lacking. And, you know, was there a time in my life maybe where I would have found it funny when I was, like, 18 years old, maybe? But I think at the point now, I just, I just don't find it funny. I find it gross. I know I use that word a lot. It's just, I just find that stuff gross. It's not funny. It ought to be called out. You know, we call it out. Other people call it out on, on social media. I'm glad they call it out. It's it, that stuff has got to go away. Cause it's just, it's no good. See, it always comes back to baseball, Danny. It's it's, I don't think there's any redeeming values in that sort of thing. The, clearly there's no mirrors in the studios at 98, five, the sports hub, these, and if there were mirrors, all these guys would see themselves and they'd see Felger before he started turning into somebody's grandmother with just startling amounts of, of hair dye. So I'll leave it right there. Shaq. And just to finish out this topic, uh, anybody who wants to fix Matt McCarthy's teeth, you're, you're happy to. And by the way, if you, if you are bagging groceries, you have the power to spit in his groceries. So I am I, I, asking you to spit in, his, in Matt McCarthy's groceries because they deserve nothing more than that. Market basket, you're on watch in Carver. All right. Um, the NFL, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, pardon me, uh, welcomed their latest class recently. Shaq, uh, Peyton Manning, Alan Fanica. Tom Flores of the Charlestown 99, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Drew Pearson, Charles Woodson. 
Um, thoughts uh, of the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement? Uh, I didn't watch. I didn't watch any of the coverage. I didn't watch the Hall of Fame ceremony uh, because it, uh, it just the Hall of Fame as a whole has become just a, uh, I guess, it, how it's become the how nice are you to the media awards for me. It's just become yes. such a, yes. such a, yes. a disgusting, uh, I, I don't want to say it, but it's become just a festival of, of, of people who give the media glad hands. And particularly Peyton Manning, because if you go on, if you went on Twitter during Peyton Manning's speech, it was like, um, almost the equivalent of Martin Luther King Jr. and Mahatma Gandhi was speaking because all these media people were just bowing at his altar. Uh, Albert Breer, um, Peyton Manning just made me feel really grateful for what I get to do for a living. And Adam Schefter saying, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's like Jonah Hill going, uh, she's perfect. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, you get no, it's, it's the same thing that I referenced last episode. I wouldn't want to go in any media's house during Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame speech. It's like me and John is, is preteens with Marky Post in the yeah, fall guy. The, Don't get, shine a black light anywhere, Shaq. Get the, get the towels and the jerkins. You'll take care of <laughs> But, um, and um, Adam Schefter comes out, you know, uh, you know, NFL mouthpiece he is and says, Peyton Manning really should be NFL commissioner. Yeah, because that would go really well. Yeah. Brought to you by Papa John's. So I did think Papa John's in uh, present presentation speech was just magnificent. However, yeah, it's right that, on the mouth. Yeah. that Yeah. Right on the mouth, <laughs> a wet one, but it, it yeah, it was just, I, it was just, it was just a, a love fest and I couldn't stand for it. You know, as, as the, as the diehard Patriots fan, I am, I, I can't watch something like that and not have a Patriot me in it, especially when you have guys like Vince Wilfork, who's going to be a hall of famer. Uh, Ooh, is going to be eligible next year. Richard Seymour, who's been seemingly eligible yep. for ever. And, you know, thank goodness that Ty Law squeaked in. Um, but unfortunately, and he, here comes, here comes Ron Bordis again in his oil. Um, unfortunately, he's, rep, he's in the room representing the Patriots for God knows why. So with him in there, I, I don't see any type of Patriots getting in unless they do some heavy lifting in there. Agreed. And this is not a, a unique observation, but Peyton Manning did get Scartelli. Peyton Manning did get Ty Law into the Hall of Fame. Almost, not single-handedly, yeah. that's unfair, but definitely got him in, Scarty. He definitely did. I think uh, he, he played a role in that. And, you know, hats off to uh, hats off to Peyton. He, you know, managed to uh, beat the Patriots in a few, uh, few playoff games. Yeah. And, um, yeah, great. Uh, top pick, legacy. Ugh. I can understand I why the media thought he was the greatest thing ever. Why he's the co-goat with uh, Tom Brady, and uh, I don't feel good talking about this. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things. Another SNL skit references. Should should we be talking about this on a Patriots podcast, John? Uh, thoughts on the Hall of Fame class? Yeah, I mean, I, the point made earlier, the voting of the Hall of Fame to me pollutes the entire exercise, right? And any any at any uh, building that you have to be blessed by mediates to enter is tarnished immediately for me. Well, I mean, Ron Borges is a voter. Like, I can't get over Peter that, King, right? You know, I mean, but Bor like Borges is like, I mean, that's like going into a casino and you've got like you know a bunch of crooks Bernie at Madoff. the door. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like a Bernie Madoff at the door. Welcome to my casino. It's like, no, I'm not gambling here. Like, the, the, why would I trust anything going on here? That's how I feel about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. When you've got, quote unquote, gatekeepers like Ron Borges, it's it really does get to the sort of the circle jerkiness that needs to happen uh, in order to be enshrined. And, you know, there's there's some really good, talented guys that are that are coming up that are eligible that didn't get in this year that are eligible for the first time next year. And the amount of stats humpery that's going to happen uh, to, oh, to yeah. enshrine people. Like, I mean, Andre Johnson was a great receiver. Don't get me wrong. Right. But remember the, the goofball Shackleman who I'm talking about. Um, I think he writes out in Minnesota for the athletic. 
um, he made the point Earth about, you know, yeah. yeah, that guy, you always remember his name. I, I don't, yeah, that's, that's Shaq gets triggered a little bit by him. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, every now and then he pops into my feed too. I think I have to block whoever keeps putting him in my feed, but the, he, he made that comment about, you know, writing a, a, you know, the, the war and peace of the NFL and not mention Julian Edelman. I think it'd be pretty easy to write the war and peace of the NFL and not mention Andre Johnson, to be perfectly honest. Right. So if that's your weird bar, but, but I would say a guy who, who probably won't get in is Anquan Bolden. And, and I don't know if Steve Smith gets in. Maybe Steve Smith gets in. To me, those guys were better receivers um, than, than Andre Johnson, who was just amassing stats and kind of losing causes for a long time. You know, it's the proverbial NBA guy who's scoring 28 points a game and posting a negative war, you know, because he doesn't do anything yeah. else except except score the ball right so the orlando woolridge corollary you know and i don't know i mean is andre johnson gonna get any probably will right so but whatever i mean give me julian edelman over andre johnson any day of the week and i'm sure that would get me laughed at by the by the quants but i mean i i sure as hell enjoyed watching julian edelman play for as long as he did amen steve smith will get in because he works for nfl network steve smith was a legitimately great player (laughs) he also works for the nfl network dan do you have any thoughts on the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement? You know, on the Manning for Commissioner campaign, uh, Goodell That's exactly already, what it is. He's yes. already set the bar at incompetent. So I could he, could he really do any worse than that? Uh, well said. Um, it's it's becoming conspicuous, I think, the, the dearth of Patriots represented from that first stage of the, of the dynasty. Like, like you guys said, Richard Seymour should already be in. And in the meantime, this combined... 2020 2021 class because they just celebrated both this year saw right. five five more Steelers enshrined including uh, a longtime scout I'm just wondering you know when will the Patriots domination of the past 20 years be reflected in the hall well so to so to prove your point in advance who are you betting on to get into the hall of fame next year Demarcus Ware or Vince Wilfork oh yeah Ware Absolutely. Absolutely. The the stats humpery that Ware put up versus, you know, what Will Fork was doing, controlling the line of scrimmage. Dominance at the line of scrimmage. Absolutely. You know, for for multiple years for great defenses. And and single-handedly won that game in 2000, I believe, 11. uh, The game where where, uh, Billy Cundiff missed the kick. Yes. The AFC title game against Baltimore. Yes. That's a great point. And, and, you know, again, who's presenting Vince Will Fork's case, right? I Ron mean, Borges. Come on. You know, that, that to me, like I, I would, as sure as I'm sitting here, DeMarcus Ware gets in the hall of fame next year and Vince Wilfork does not. Right. I would, I would bet you, you know, a bar pie at the Linwood of your choice, except the bean. I will not buy the bean special. The bean special is an abomination to mankind. The Linwood, <laughs> the Linwood is truly one of the greats, but the bean special pizza is like, no, we have, we have a, f- a friend of ours who used to engage in that. We would leave immediately upon the bean special being ordered. You make a great point for the stat humpery, John, about the Hall of Fame. Vince Wilfork paid one of the most demanding positions in all professional sports, getting beat up for a decade and a half at a very, very, very high level. Bill Belichick was would absolutely kiss the proverbial rings when it came to him. Uh, he's truly one of the greatest players in the history of pro football. And if it takes him a Seymour-esque amount of time to get enshrined in that building in Canton, then it just proves that you know i don't want to be a member of a club that would have them as gatekeepers that, that that's as easy that, as succinctly as i can put it it, it goes uh, back oh it goes back but, to it goes back to what john was saying i believe a couple episodes ago about the patriots hall of fame being the designated hall of fame of the 2000s yes. and on because that's the real hall of fame all of this other crap is just <laughs> is just you know steelers and giants and chiefs and you know, the, the, the Holy saints of the NFL, but the real hall of fame is the Patriots hall of fame is when you can actually see the history of football and definitely in the, uh, in the two thousands, because you can see how dominant the Patriots were. And if that's, if that's not represented in Ohio, it's definitely represented in Foxborough. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of pressure on the Patriots hall of fame people to, to put out a proper product that captures the last 20 years of the NFL. Like they have to, it really should be better than Canton because the, you know, there's a lot of pressure on those guys. They have to put out a good product because, you know, because Canton's not going to represent it well enough. 
I will tell you that the uh, one of the uh, the gatekeepers of the Patriots Hall of Fame is a great follow on Twitter. He's his his name is Brian Mori. Um, again, the real Hall of Fame of the first half of the 20th century is going to be at Gillette Stadium. Um, the, the Canton is with the media. I shudder a little bit that the media is going to be replacing the Borgeses and the Peter Kings and the and the older Bobos and the Adam Schefters that sort of thing. You know, it's the the Canton is going to wind up becoming the our lady of the immaculate incompletion at some point, you know, whatever, whatever soundbite and video clip comes through best is, is going to be what's remembered. It's going to be the, the TikTok hall of fame eventually. So um, God bless, God bless Canton. Just, we know what we saw and I don't, I'll speak for myself. I know what I saw and I don't need someone else's agenda ridden eyes to validate. It. I know what I saw and I'm have blessed to have witnessed it. Um, I just hope that uh, I just hope that the the dynasty era Patriots don't get kept out as long as uh, trivia answer uh, Tom Flores. Very good. That's very good. Inside jokes for a hundred, Alex. Um, before we get to a couple of listener emails, I think we'd be doing ourselves a disservice. Uh, Dion Lewis announced his retirement in the last week, and in the in the great line of Patriots third down backs or Patriots kind of multi purpose backs. Um, he may not be mentioned initially, but it doesn't diminish his accomplishments and the roles that he has he had on his team. John, uh, Dion, I know you and I particularly enjoyed Dion Lewis. They seldom had had someone that explosive, even after the injury, ran for 1,000 yards, was the benchmark on a team that won an AFC title, won a Super Bowl championship in 2016 in the 28-3 game. Um, Hall of, speaking of the Hall of Fame, he'll be in the Hall of very, very good Patriot players. Yeah, he was such a joy to watch, and he was so small and so powerfully built. And, um, you know, they, they got him off the scrap heap and, you know, signed him to that future reserves contract. And Mike Lombardi was responsible for his signing. Know, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but, you know, Belichick did not draft him, so let's be perfectly clear. Doesn't get credit. Uh, it doesn't, no credit, uh, no credit there, unfortunately. But, um, you know, despite that, he... You know, I mean, talk about getting the most. Had his had his opportunity landed in the right spot, the right time. Took advantage of the opportunity, and um, you know, the, the way he left obviously was a little bit tough. But I mean, these guys, right. you know, they're they're they're, you know, they've all got pride, and they they all have you know um, you know the belief in themselves that has gotten them to where they are. Right? You can't get to that point without without having that sort of belief. So I can I can forget how he left and uh, appreciate what he brought, and now. You know, watching JJ Taylor yes, um, brings yes. out some some neat kind of Dion vibes and and the power and the fearlessness that he ran with on Thursday night. I'm um, thinking about one play in particular in the second half. You guys probably remember he's on the left hand side of the field, cutting to the left, and he absorbs some serious contact and um, he was looking for the contact. And Dion was you know that same sort of fearless player, so got nothing but respect uh, for for what he accomplished. Yeah, a, truly a, an important part, Scartelli. Of oh, absolutely, the, uh, yeah. uh, you go back to the divisional game against uh, the Texans. Yes, he uh, three touchdowns, three touchdowns, a uh, running touchdown, a uh, either kickoff or punt return touchdown, and a receiving touchdown. He outscored the entire Texans lineup that day. Yes, he did. He was explosive uh, as uh, as Bill. Again, we're good friends, Bill. He's good in all three phases of the game, Shaq. Uh, you're good in all three phases of the podcast, Shaq. What did you think of uh, Deion Lewis? Yeah, forgive me for being a little bit petty, but yeah, I have to. I have to bring up the <laughs> portion of the Titans. Don't uh, pay attention to John. John's the entitled town teen <laughs> mom and, and vouch of death giver. <laughs> oh God, love you, John. Uh, but I, I have to be. I have to be a little bit petty because Deion, you know. After the after the Titans beat the Pats, you know, with his comments of "that's what happens when you go cheap." Uh, listen, sir, the Patriots—you owe the Patriots uh, your career, yes, basically. Yes. And I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say that because, and this is an interesting uh, point to make because Mike Reese in his column today, and I recommend you read it all every Sunday, but particularly for this tidbit. Um, He's always, he's, Deion Lewis is an example of a player that you can't overlook when, you know, when the team has those reserve futures contracts, yes. when they sign it, when they sign those type of guys, you can't overlook that because players who aren't on a roster when the season ends, they can be signed to reserve futures contracts. 
which means that they're expanded to the roster, added to the roster when it turns uh, to 90 in the middle of March or mm-hmm. somewhere around there. That's how Deion Lewis first came to the Patriots in 2015, I believe. And so he was pretty much an afterthought beforehand because he had a ton of injuries. He had been uh, not really put to, this, put, to the, put to the forefront and they signed into a contract and there you go. That revised his career and he played a big role in the 2016 season. So Deion Lewis, uh, all, he was awesome. I, I loved, I loved the, obviously the Dallas play, which is everyone's favorite, but yeah, I, I can't let go of the pettiness because, you know, he, he didn't really leave on the right best of terms, but I do appreciate what he did in his career. And uh, it was, again, just another example of, of Patriots reviving careers, you know, because this place isn't very fun to be at, according to some. I got to appreciate Shaq demonstrating a little bit of Irish Alzheimer's. He can forget everything but a grudge. So well done there, Shaq. <laughs> uh, Dan, wrap up our uh, wrap it up on Dion Lewis. Uh, I think it goes to show that uh, team building is more than just drafting well in the first and second yes. rounds. He was a dynamic <laughs> player that was fun to watch. And, and I really would have loved to have seen how that 2015 season would have finished had mm-hmm. he not torn his ACL in week nine. Yeah, among the most explosive players they had at that position over the years. All right, so there it is on Dion Lewis. Uh, we have two listener emails that we'll get to. We're hoping to do a midweek podcast this week. Uh, Patrick and Vinny, thank you for sending those emails. Again, the email address is entitledtown at gmail.com. Uh, we'll go to our final thoughts. Scartelli, you the cl- uh, you were on the clock. I don't mean to be cryptic, but uh, I'm far from perfect, but loyalty, I deserve it. <laughs> I'm going to leave that comment on its own. Shaq, uh, your final <laughs> thought. <laughs> we love you, Scartsy. Don't worry. <laughs> You're, you're our QB one. That's got to go in the sports junk drawer. Something, something alluding to that's got to go in the sports junk drawer. By the way, two sports junk draws last week, one of which is a star in the making that we'll get to. Oh, time. But Shaq, the, very good. Shaq, the floor is yours. Your final thought. I just wanted to say that, well, first of all, this podcast was brought to you by Abstinity because every podcast should be funded by illegal items. So I don't know why this podcast isn't, but we need to start that because that's what all the big podcasts are doing. But also, uh, can we please stop with this? Uh, uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, people who don't pay attention to Patriots media who are complaining and saying about uh, the Patriots media is talking about Cam Newton. And and the and the Mac Jones situation as if it has anything to do with how much can they like Cam and how much they like Mac? No, they're not. If you pay attention, then you can see that Cam is the most liked person in Patriots meet from Patriots media standpoint. So please yes. let's stay away from that. Let's watch. Let's watch this competition happen because it's a it's a great one as far as I'm concerned. And whoever is quote unquote on top is and whoever is the one that Bill Belichick deems the one to be the starter on week one, that's the one that we're all going to be rooting for, hopefully. Amen. And Bill Belichick, as we've covered, knows uh, Bill, close friend of the pod. Bill knows a lot more than we do. Uh, John, your final thoughts. Uh, a quick parental advisory on the dangers of sarcasm on Twitter. Um, I put up a tweet the other day uh, and I know Shaq's <laughs> laughing because he, he tried to jump in to the rescue. Uh, my menchies, I think is the word, right? That's the, what the, the, cool the cringy kids, word. Yes. The, 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 my menchies were a dumpster fire because I had the temerity to, to tweet something to the effect of, you know, uh, Mac Jones is so good. So fast. It proves Tom Brady is a system quarterback. And of course I hear it in my snarky, sarcastic, you know, tone. And it's, it's certainly satirical and the immediate response from our, our, our click of, of colleagues on Twitter was exactly what I anticipated, but then it got outside uh, our orbit into the, the Patriot ether. And the, the amount of times I was called an idiot, you know, it, I mean, it kind of cracked me up, but, but then I thought about it because I have a tendency to overthink things anyway, as you know, Mike, and I'm like, well, I, now I'm the gaslighter. I am gaslighting people. I'm saying the things that are triggering fans. And, and then, so I'm like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be doing that. So I'm going to have to be a little bit more careful with my sarcasm. I don't want to fall into, and I don't want to trigger folks who are already dealing with too much of that. Right. 
Um, there's already enough of that garbage. And there's a, there's a group of guys that are out there on the ramparts defending Brady from, from the Chiefs fans and the Rogers fans and, and all these weirdos out there on Twitter that are denigrating all of Brady's and the Patriots' accomplishments. But, you know, I don't want to be contributing to that, so I'm going to be a little bit more careful with my sarcasm. Uh, there's, there, there's a lot of very sensitive Patriots fans, and rightfully so, uh, because we've been, you know, gaslit and, and, you know, told ridiculous things for so long. Um, there's a sensitivity there that I think is rightfully earned, if not deserved. I'll break the fourth wall. I, I know you're really rattled when you got a job offer to be a weekend anchor at a Boston uh, TV station on the sports side. So that that was kind of the last straw that opened your eyes. <laughs> Go to Dan. Dan, your your final thoughts for for this week. Well, you know, last week we talked about our favorite dynasty denied, and uh, after seeing so many Chiefs fans on Twitter still lionizing Patrick Mahomes very athletic incompletion should have been an interception the our lady uh, of the immaculate incompletion bow to the altar <laughs> I want to change my answer okay Patriots denied the Chiefs in 2018 and then Brady did the same thing once again last year and and rather than learning the the lesson the inherent lesson that it's damn tough to to win in the NFL Chiefs fans still spend all their time bitching and moaning about how they get cheated I, I think they're quickly surpassing Steelers fans and delusional thinking. I, I couldn't agree more. I actually, so to that end, I'm going to pull up a, uh, a treasured uh, poster from the old board. Um, his name is Chico Walker. I'm going to lead, I'm going to seed my final thought to Chico. I was going to talk about the 50th anniversary of, of Foxborough stadium, a place that's near and dear to my heart, but to, to, to trampoline as it were off of Dan's point here, Chico Walker said, Dan Marino is another example to use on Chiefs fans who have Mahomes linked to multiple soupies. In January of 1986, the Dolphins are coming off a Super Bowl loss and about to play the Pats for the conference championship in a building the Pats hadn't won in ever. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. forgot, but the streak is the streak was ridiculous. Of course, they lose, miss the playoffs five of the next six years, make only one more conference championship game in the remaining 14 years of Marino's career, where they lost by three scores at home. Despite there being only one season, Marino lost significant time to injury. I think that's a good way to end this podcast on. Uh, Scartelli is at the15net.com. The sports junk drawer is a must read every week, sometimes twice in a week. John is at that John Irons in the Nick Cattle's Vouch of Death. Shaq is Atomic Dog 5150. He is also a, an occasional contributor to the15net.com. Dan is at Patriots Daily. I am at Ironhead334. Entitled Town, at Entitled Town is the Twitter account. Uh, thank you for everybody who sent emails, who sent feedback. And in closing, please, for the love of God, turn off your radio. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.